great, don't you love that in every single battle that we face in life, whether it's something with our family, whether it's something financially, with our health, then aren't you glad of the victory that we have in our Lord Jesus Christ? Amen, family? Let me pray for us and thank Him. Father, we are so grateful. Father, that in everything that we face in life, maybe right now, some of us have walked into one of our campuses and Lord, and we feel defeated, discouraged. But my Lord, in you, oh God, we know that we have the victory that we need. And so Father, strengthen us, your church. Give us ears to hear your truth now from your word. And Father, may you give us the faith and the trust that we need to walk in obedience. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name I pray, and all of God's people say, amen. amen. Hey, well, welcome Christ Fellowship. It is great to have you. My name is Omar, and I have the honor and the privilege of serving as the lead pastor here. And if you're joining us today for the very first time, we're hoping that you are having a terrific time so far. In fact, it's a great time to visit because we are on our fourth week of a series called At The Movies where we've been looking at some of Hollywood's biggest uh, hits and really grabbing some context but going to God's Word and seeing what He has to teach us. And so today we're going to be learning a little bit about our emotions. Yeah, we all have it and we all struggle to contain them at times. And so I believe it's going to be very practical and powerful in our lives. And so today we're going to be looking at the story of a man named Saul. And so I'll be reading today from 1 Samuel chapter 18, and wherever you're at, you can follow along with me as I read. Listen to what God's Word says. And as they were coming home, when David returned from striking down the Philistine, the women came out of all the cities of Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with songs of joy, and with musical instruments. And the women sang to one another as they celebrated, and here's what they said, Saul has struck down his thousands, and David his tens thousands. And Saul was very what? Saul was what? Saul was angry. In other words, Saul allowed feelings of anger, of jealousy, of envy to begin to dominate and shape his life. That is God's word. You can go and take a seat at all campuses. Now, I have to admit, you know, from the moment that I became a teenager, uh, back in the early 90s, I hadn't really watched a lot of Disney movies. But ever since me and my wife had Camila, a little girl, and parents, you know where I'm going with this, it feels like the only thing you watch at home is what? Yeah, it's Disney movie. If you have children or grandchildren, maybe you're in the stage right now, you're a grandparent, and all you watch is all these shows on TV. And one of Camila's favorite movies that she loves to watch is this movie called Inside Out. In fact, how many of you, by show of hands, have seen the movie Inside Out? Well, way more than I expected. Yeah, it's a really, really great little movie, but if you haven't seen it, let me just give you a quick overview of what takes place because the movie centers around this young girl named Riley, an 11-year-old girl, who lived in Minnesota with her parents. And at one point, her dad got a job in San Francisco, so they moved all the way out west. And so we see that in the film, she begins to now start getting accustomed to this brand new city. 
But family, here's what makes this movie so cool and so captivating to watch. It's because it gives us an insight as to what make, makes Riley behave the way that she does. In fact, in the movie, there are five basic emotions that she has in her head that really dictate how she lives. In fact, let me just give you a, a quick overview of what takes place. The first emotion she has is what? Yeah, it's fear. That's the first emotion she has. The second one is sadness. The third is joy, which is the main character of the movie. The fourth one is what? Disgust. And the last one is fear. Oh, I'm sorry, and anger. And, and, and so here's what happens. Whichever emotions in, in, inside of her mind, there's a thing called the headquarters or the command center. And what makes the movie cool to watch is that whatever emotion, listen carefully, takes a hold of that command center, takes control of those headquarters, it directly dictates how Riley behaves. In fact, just take a look at this video. Did you love that? And for me, listen, do not miss the point. Because whatever emotion, right, took control of Riley's command center, right, of, of Riley's headquarters, it directly shaped the way she behaved and impacted the choices that she made. And family, let me just bring all that over to our time together because folks, what an image of how it works with you and with me, right? And, and by that I mean that just like whichever emotions took over little Riley, right, dictated her actions, and just like that, here's the big idea as we dive into God's Word today. Whatever emotion you and I allow, the, allow to take over our mind, it's directly going to impact how we behave and what choices we make in life, whether they're good choices or whether they're bad choices. And who knows, maybe you're watching right now, you're thinking, Omar, I, I know exactly what you mean because I've seen in my life when I've allowed certain emotions to just really take over my mind, my command center, so to speak, it really has affected my life. It has taken my life a certain way. And so, Omar, what do we need to know about these things called emotions that we all have and how we, can we control them? Well, we're going to find out from 1 Ch Samuel chapter 18, all right? So if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 18. You can open up your Christ Fellowship apps and you can follow along there with us as well. And today I have two thoughts for us on our emotions. And here's the first thing you need to know. Write this down as point number one. 
You need to know that your emotions can direct the course of your life, of your life. Now, before we look into the text and we dive in, let me just give us some context because the more, the better we understand what's happening, the more we'll understand what the, you know, the, the rest of the teaching. Going back to, to the time where God um, freed the people out of slavery in Egypt, after they came into the promised land, the people of Israel's king was God himself. It was a theocracy. But somewhere along the line, the people of Israel looked around to all the different nations around them, and they saw that they had human kings. So they wanted a human king themselves, and so they effectively rejected God as their king. But nevertheless, the Lord was gracious, and he gave him them a human king. And the man that he selected to be the first king of Israel was this young man named Saul. Now, Saul was your prototypical king, right? Easy on the eyes, I'm sure tall, dark, and handsome. He was probably, in fact, Scripture says that he was the tallest man out of all the people of Israel. So he was like the picture-perfect king. And even though things started off well with Saul, Saul made a series of bad decisions where he did not trust the Lord. And so his sins before God were so serious that God decided to eventually remove him from being king over his people. So he started looking for the next king, and the person that he selected to be the next king of Israel was King David. Many of us have heard of David. And so God sends this prophet Samuel to go to find this young boy named David, and he anoints him secretly the new, the new future king of Israel. But there was a moment while Saul was still on the throne and David was the next king already anointed, that the people of Israel went out to fight a group of people called the Philistines. And the Philistines had a really big warrior whose name was Goliath, right? We've all heard of this, of this man called Goliath. And so in, in, that, in that scene, we see that everyone from Israel didn't want to fight Goliath, including Saul, but David mustered up the trust in the Lord the boldness to go fight this giant named Goliath. We know the story, right? He defeats Goliath, and now they are coming home together, him and Saul and the rest of the army. And so listen to what happens as they're coming home. It says, as they were coming home, when David returned from striking down the Philistine, the women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, songs of joy, musical instruments, and the women sang to one another as they celebrated. Saul has struck down his thousands, and David his ten thousands. And Saul was very what? Angry. The church family, this right here, this chapter, is a monumental uh, moment in his life, in Saul's life. Because this was the place where he began to allow these feelings of anger, of envy, of bitterness, of sadness, right, to start overwhelming him, to start taking over his command center. Family, it was just not a moment of anger. But listen to what it says next. It says, and Saul-eyed David. Saul-eyed David from that day on. In other words, from that moment in his life, these emotions that Saul began to experience 
really began to rule his life to the point that they began to direct the course of his life. You know, just like a sailboat without a rudder and nothing to steer it is at the mercy of the winds, right? That it goes wherever the wind blows, right? Isn't just like that, a person that has no restraints, that all they experience are led by their emotions, they go, their life goes exactly where their emotions lead them. And family, sometimes it can lead them to a bad place. In fact, write this down as letter A. Listen, emotions can lead you to a place of ungodliness. <clears throat> In fact, listen to what it says next. And so, and it says, and he raved, speaking of Saul, right? He raved within his house while David was playing the lyre, as he did day by day. And Saul had a spear in his hand. And Saul hurled the spear, for he thought, I will pin David to the wall. But David evaded him twice. So notice, his emotions began to control him to such a degree that he began to do things he wouldn't do otherwise. And it wasn't just that moment. We see that Saul and that Saul's emotions led him to really um, uh, almost effectively destroy the relationship with his son Jonathan, with his daughter Abigail. We see that Saul begins to pursue David with his army to kill David, and in the way he murders people, in fact, while well, one moment he kills 85 different priests of the Lord, and we see that he, fought, he is drawn away so much from God, so far from God that he begins to dabble in the occult out of fear, and, and they go, and he goes to fortune tellers. And so, even though Saul had the great honor of being Israel's first king, as you read through the book of 1 Samuel, you see this man's life begin to unravel little by little to the point that he could not control it anymore. And family, listen, the same thing could happen with you and the same thing could happen with me. Because perhaps we might not, we might not do the same things that Saul did, right, that we read in 1 Samuel, but you know how it is. Perhaps you're at home and your spouse, your husband and your wife says that one thing again, they go to that same point again and now you're boiling and now you are upset and you feel those emotions start to rise up. Perhaps there's a family member, somebody, a child, a cousin, a parent, someone in your life, a family member that did this inconsiderate thing and it makes you upset. Maybe it's a coworker who backstabbed you when you were always there for them. Maybe it's a boss who overlooked something in your life. Maybe it's a neighbor that kept doing the same thing over and over and over again. And listen, I know we live in very divisive political times, right? Imagine you are in a casual conversation and that person who you know says something bad about that person that you voted for in the last presidential election and you get angry. Or perhaps you're pro-mask and they're anti-mask and there's a huge dub debate about this whole thing or maybe 
they're pro-vaccine, you're anti-vaccine, whatever the case may be. Everyone has a, a stance in all this. And what happens is, you know how it is, in these simple, dumb conversations, you can start talking about political stuff, whatever the case may be. And guess what? You know that feeling, right? Emotions begin to fill you. They begin to take a hold of you. Here's what happens. When you let certain emotions take over you, you do things that you end up regretting. In fact, just think about this just practically for a second. Think of those moments in your life where you just, looking back and thinking back, you cringe in those moments. Chances are, is because you let certain emotions take over you and you did things that you're not very proud of. That's the reality of it. And so here's what happens. Sometimes we allow these in the heat of the moment for these feelings to really just overwhelm us and make us do things that we eventually regret. You know, going back to the movie, there is a, a, a part where feelings, the, the two feelings, anger and fear, actually take control of the command center and it makes Riley behave and do something that eventually she's going to regret. In fact, just take a look at what happened. And family, same thing happens with us, right? When we allow certain emotions like fear, like anger, take over a command center, listen, it's going to make us do certain things that we are going to regret. But here's the thing. Emotions can also, write this down, letter B, emotions, though, on the other hand, can also lead us towards godliness. Godliness. You know, there's another example in this narrative, in this story, of how it, it, certain emotions can chart the, the, the course of someone's life for the good, and that is that of David. Now, David here, by no means was he a perfect man, but the Lord, but God's word does call him a man after his own heart. And folks, it showed, especially in moments where he did not let certain emotions take over his life. You know, there was a scene in this chap, in this book, where, uh, you know, Saul is pursuing David with all of his army, and David has a small group of men, and they are actually hiding inside of a cave. And Saul, at some point, he feels he needs to go and relieve himself, go to the restroom, right? So he goes inside of this cave, unbeknownst to him that David and his men are hiding inside of that cave. And so as Saul is doing his business, at that moment, listen, David could have allowed Feelings of, of anger, of bitterness, all these feelings, right, just to take over him. But listen to what happens in that very moment. Listen to what happens. And the men of David said to him, here's the day which the Lord said to you, behold, I will give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it shall seem good to you. Then David arose and stealthily cut off a corner of Saul's robe. 
And afterwards, listen carefully, David's heart what? What? Struck him, right? There was something there that he, that he realized because he had cut off the corner of Saul's robe. And he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to put out my hand against him, seeing he is the Lord's anointed. So David persuaded his men with these words and did not permit them to attack Saul. And Saul rose up and left the cave and went on his way. Now, I, what I love about this is not that David was perfect, but there was something about him, right, that even though he acted rashly, he kind of allowed his anger for a moment to take over him. It's almost like you see David putting his emotions in check, right? See, he could have let his, his emotions take control, but he didn't, right? He, he didn't do that. And folks, there's much to learn here. Because conversely, right, if you go back to those moments in your life that you are especially proud of, right? Maybe in an argument with a family member, a spouse, a child at work, you know, with a neighbor, whatever the case may be. The moments that you're most proud of are those moments that you showed restraint and you just didn't act on your emotions. Now, don't get me wrong, because there were moments in David's life where he ended up doing terrible things. If you read scripture, you know he murdered, he uh, committed adultery, all these terrible, terrible things. However, what we see in scripture, he always self-corrected his emotions and went back to God and pursued godliness. As opposed to Saul, what we see is that there was never a time where, he's, where he stopped. He just allowed his emotions to continue just to lead him. And so you may be wondering, Omar, I think we all feel, we, we know what you're talking about. We know what we're reading. So how can we get to a point that we start really managing our emotions, right? That's a big question. We'll write this down as big number two, especially in these critical moments. Listen, you must take control of your emotions before they take control of you. In fact, God's word says in 2 Corinthians, it says, take every thought captive to obey Christ. Now, this passage is referring more to when someone has an argument against the gospel about the message of salvation that you take all those arguments and you bring it towards Christ. But I think when you look at this verse, you can also look at it through the lens of our emotions, right? You can almost read it to say, take every emotion, right? Take every emotion that you experience, what? Captive to obey Christ. In other words, it is in those critical moments that when those thoughts of envy, lust, sadness, all these different things start filling your mind, you must take control and lead them to obey Christ. So, so Omar, how do you do that? We'll write this down in small letter A. First of all, you need to let God's word, okay, show you how to respond to our initial emotions. You need to let God's word do that. For example, in God's word, it says, be angry. It's okay for you to be angry at times, but what? Do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Go and figure out how to mend things with that person. 
See, the issue is not that you cannot feel something. Listen, we are human, right? We're going to feel certain emotions, sadness, anger, fear, all these things. But it's about how we respond to those initial re, re, uh, em, um, emotions. But here's what I really want you to understand this morning. And it's this. is that oftentimes when we're faced with certain emotions, our initial response, our natural response at that moment usually is not the right way to respond. In fact, let me just give you a, a visual, an example to help you understand what I, mean, what I mean by this. You know, we've all heard of this thing called a rip current, right? That someone could be out at the beach just hanging out and then just relaxing and someone, what, you get into a rip current and people are being pulled out out of the ocean, right? And folks, here's the thing. When you're being pulled back by this rip current, at that moment, the natural reaction that people often have is to swim against the current, right? It makes sense if it's dragging you back, then let's, let's swim against it. So what happens is a big mistake is that they start swimming against this current, right? They start swimming against it, but eventually it's just way too strong. They get tired out, they get exhausted, and they get pushed all the way back out into the sea, and now they're too tired to swim and they up, and that end up losing their life. And so that's what happens with many rip currents. But here's the reality, the, the truth. Our initial gut reaction to a rip current is not the right way. It's not the right idea, right? In fact, the right way to do it is either let yourself just be taken out, save your energy, and then swim back. Or the best thing to do is not to swim against the current, but to swim out of the current, horizontally. Why? You get out of the rip current and now you can swim safely back to the shore. And family, the same thing can happen with us because maybe we're at work. You are out with a coworker at a family gathering with your spouse and they do that one thing. They do that. They don't do that one thing that you expect them to do. And guess what? Now you are in a rip current of emotions, aren't you? Now you're being flooded, you're being taken, and our initial reaction to those critical moments is, well, I'm going to say this to them. Well, I'm going I'm to let them have it. Well, I'm going to really hurt them in this way, right? And your initial reaction is really oftentimes not the right reaction. But folks, there has to be a moment where in those moments you stop, don't respond of your natural, and you Remind yourself of what God's word says. And that's the way you respond. See, the reason sometimes we don't, know, we don't act the right way in those critical moments is because we haven't spent enough time reading God's word to know how we should respond in those moments. And so family, that is why it's so critical that we read God's word, amen? that we understand before those moments arise, so when they come, you know how to respond the proper way. And so not only do we need to know God's word, but write this down as letter B, we need to let God's spirit produce new emotions in us. In fact, listen to what it says in Galatians chapter five. It says this, now, the works of the flesh, or our natural reactions, so to speak, right, are evident. It's sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, 
dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. And I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But listen carefully now. But the fruit of what? Of the Spirit of God. But the fruit of the Spirit of God is what? Is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You know, for some of us, we have spent so many years learning God's Word, going, coming to church, studying God's Word on our own, learning and growing in our knowledge of God's truth, but we haven't grown in the fruits of the Spirit. We know so much theology, right? We, we know so much about God's Word, but then we've never allowed the Spirit of God when he, that He gives us when we come to, our, to faith in Him. We haven't allowed the Spirit of God to shape our heart, to mold our heart, to melt our heart with the truth of the gospel. And so what happens is in so many churches across this world, we have so many people who know God's Word, but here's the thing. Are you known as someone who is peaceful? Are you known as someone who is gentle? Are you known as someone who is loving? Are you known as someone who exercises kindness to people? See, what good is it if we have all the knowledge of God's word, decades worth of understanding, but yet in your life, people don't see the fruits of the Spirit. As in, we got maturing to do if that's the case, amen? We need to grow and allow the Spirit of God to mold our hearts so that when those moments take place, what people see is not the fruits of the flesh, but the fruits of the Spirit. And see, here's a third component. Write this down as letter C. The last thing is, listen, we need to let God's people encourage our new emotions. In fact, this is what God's Word says in Hebrews 10. It says this, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together. Child of God, are you neglecting to meet with other believers as it is the habit of some? But what? But encouraging one another as you see the day drawing near. See, folks, God does not surround us with daytime talk shows or self-help books to help us manage our emotions. He surrounds us with God's people, with his own people. See, we need to remember that sanctification, us becoming more and more like Christ, is not an individual project. It is a community project. Because when Christ died on that cross, when our Lord was being crucified to that cross and he was bearing the sins of our, uh, uh, our sins and suffering for our sins, listen, what he envisioned as he's dying for us is not just random individual people. 
No, he, what he envisions is a group of people. He just didn't redeem just individual people. He redeemed a group of people for his own possession. And the idea is that us as a people of God, as a group of believers who've been saved by Christ, rescued from our sin, forgiven from our sin, that now we come together and we love each other and we encourage each other. And when we're going through hard moments, when those critical moments, when we're angry about things, listen, we encourage each other to respond and to feel the way that God wants us to behave. And family, that is why small groups is so important at our church. Listen, if you're brand new here, you're coming, our small groups are a critical part of who we are as a church. Our midweek Bible studies where we come together, not only to study God's word, but listen carefully, we also, at the same time, build friendships with people. And can I tell you, listen, we need other people in our lives, godly people in our lives, because there are moments, listen, that yes, we know God's word. Yes, we have the spirit of God in us, but you know what? We gotta talk to someone, right? Listen, there's been many moments, me as your pastor, I get angry, I get sad, I get discouraged, I fear at times, but here's the thing, there's moments in my life, yes, I know God's word, yes, I have the spirit of God, but I gotta pick up the phone to talk to that close friend to help me process, right? To help me move on, and all of my friends are people that I've had in my small groups. And so church fam, listen, going to other people, other God-fearing people to help you process, it's not a lack of faith, it is actually the way that God has designed it for his people. And so I wanna challenge you, listen, if you are not part of a small group, if there's one thing, Omar, what is the one thing you want me to do at church? Very simple, join a small group. Because I know that when you join a small group, listen, your walk with Christ will go to the next level, you will have friendships, and listen, it will help you in your walk. In fact, if you think about it, the difference between David and Saul is that David was always surrounded with people. He had a good friend named Saul, I, I'm saying Jonathan, and other people around him. But Saul, if you read the entire book, always alone. Always alone. And so I want to challenge you, listen, if you are not part of a small group, you're thinking, man, I would like more information, super simple, right? Go to cfmiami.org slash groups. That's our small group's webpage. There, fill out that form, and one of our pastors or one of our leaders will follow up with you and listen, and we will help you find the right gospel community for you to grow in your faith, all right? Now, let me end with this. You know, going back to the movie, it's interesting that the main emotion of the movie is that, is that of joy. And it's interesting that when other feelings, other emotions are not influenced by joy, they end up doing harm. But... When the other feelings are influenced and guided by joy, they end up doing good. In fact, take a look.
You know, it's interesting that the stabilizing emotion in Riley's life was this thing called joy. Arguably, it's our most important emotion. And you know what? The same thing is with the child of God. In fact, listen to what it says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8. It says this. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with what? With joy. You rejoice with joy that is inexpressible. You know, one of the most important emotions that a child of God could have is their joy. Because regardless of what's happening in your life, joy has a way of sustaining us, even during the hard moments in life. See, joy is not happiness. Happiness is something you feel when your happenings around you are good. But joy is different. See, joy is this inner gladness of heart that only comes from knowing God. And because joy, the joy of the Lord, true joy, has a supernatural origin, it is with us even through the most difficult, painful moments in life. That is why you can go through a moment of suffering to still have joy in your life. You still have that gladness of God in your heart because the Lord is with you. And who knows, perhaps you're here today and the reason when you look at your own life, you see a lot of emotions, but you don't see joy. And perhaps the reason you don't see joy in your life is because you don't know the Lord. You've never come to a point where you began a relationship with a God who loves you, who died for you, who created you, and who has a plan for your life. You're wondering, Omar, how can I start a relationship with this God? I want the joy of the Lord. I want to have this joy. Well, let's go back to the verse I just read. It says this. Though you do not see him, you believe in him. You believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible. See, the way that you can start a relationship with Christ, it's not by relying on how good you are, on some religious rituals you've done, on the good works you've done, on the little, on the little tradition you did when you were a little baby, a little child, nothing like that. That Bible is very clear that when you come to the Lord and you put your trust and faith no longer in yourself, but rather on Christ and what he has done for you, the Bible says that he forgives you of all of your sins. He adopts you as his own son and daughter. He gives you a brand new life. And you know what? He puts his spirit in you, and now you have the joy of the Lord in you. But there has to be a moment where you come before God, humbly you surrender your life, and you put your trust in him. The question is, would you do so today? Let's bow our head for prayer. My Lord, we come before you, O God, and we thank you, Lord, that you have given us your word, your spirit, and other people, Lord to help us manage our emotions. But Father, today I come before you and I pray for those of us who are about to take the step of faith, O oh Lord. Lead them in this moment. 
And so if that's you, if you're saying, Omar, I, I, I really want to start this relationship with, I need to be right with God. I need to start this relationship with God. It's very simple. I'm going to lead you now through a prayer. And when you pray this prayer, you, you don't pray this to me. You pray this to God who's listening to you. And it's not a poem. It's just me helping you talk to God. Talk to God who loves you, okay? So pray this with me. Father, today I realize that this emotion of joy is now within me. And, and the reason is because I don't have you. And so I come before you, Lord. I confess all of my sin before you. Every shameful thing, I've confessed it. I ask for forgiveness of my sins. And today I put my trust and my faith in you, O Lord. Give me the everlasting life you promised me. Give me the joy that you have so that, Father, I could go on living a life that honors you and reflects the joy of you. So, Father, today, Lord, I come before you. I give my life to you. And, I, and from now on, Lord, I commit to start walking with you, Lord. I love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And all of God's people say, amen. Hey, can we, can we show some love to those who, come, who came to know Christ today? Listen, if that's you on our campuses, I want to encourage you, on your way out, stop by the next step booth. We have a, on your way out, you'll see it. It gives us a chance to connect with you, love on you a little bit, just a, a minute or so, but it really helps us connect with you. So one of our pastors just help you take, help you take steps in, your, in their walk with you. And uh, if you're watching online, simply go to cfmiami.org slash uh, connect there, fill out that form, and we'll follow up with you as well. Well, Christ Fellowship family, be back next week for our final week of At The Movies. Can't wait to see what God's going to teach us then, all right? Love you all. God bless you.